Now Ethereum is going to become Uber. Now Ethereum is going to become decentralized Twitter. And it just never seemed to kind of click for me. We made some progress. We did episodes with like Farcaster, for example, and Lens. Cautiously excited about those and, and bullish on, on those when I, when I started seeing them. But the question is always, how do we get mass adoption? Friend.tech and this experiment. Again, I'm not saying it's going to be friend.tech, guys. Okay, don't hear me. This is a, this is a POC. Okay, this experiment showed me how it can work in the same way that CryptoKitties showed me how NFTs can work. Bankless Nation, happy third Friday of August. David, what time is it? It's the Bankless Friday weekly roll-up where we cover the entire weekly news in crypto, which is always an ambitious endeavor, yet we persevere nonetheless into the frontier. How are you doing, Ryan? I'm doing fantastic. I'm excited to talk about friends, how you sell your friends this week, because that's what you've been doing. How you to bought monetize some friends. <laughs> yeah, and then you sold them right yep. after it. That's right. That's topic that's number one. <laughs> it's this app called friend.tech that yeah. hit, uh, I think, Friday after we recorded the last roll-up, and everyone on crypto Twitter was using it. Uh, I used it. It's kind of interesting. We're going to talk about that. Number one, friend.tech. This new app, is it a fad or is it a new paradigm? What else we got, David? Coming up next, we got SEC back in the hot seat after six law professors, A16Z and Paradigm, who both employ lawyers, all voice their disbelief about how the SEC ought to approach crypto and proposes something new uh, in lieu of that. Also, SBF is on the move. Uh, <laughs> it seems like, David, you might now be neighbors with yeah. Sam Bankman-Fried. That's exactly right. This is a factual statement. <laughs> After that, we're talking about PayPal, Visa, all making moves into crypto this week. And then Coinbase futures, Coinbase getting some futures. What does this mean? How is this changing Coinbase's international strategy? If they are allowed to roll their own futures here at home. All of this is coming up as we get into this episode. So make sure to like, subscribe, rate and review wherever you get your podcast so we can get the good gospel of crypto to the top of these iTunes charts or Spotify charts or YouTube, wherever there's an algorithm. Give us those five star reviews so we can push it up to the top. Guys, before we get in, I want to tell you about our friends and sponsors over at SAFE. They have a message for you. SAFE, of course, is the wallet that everyone in crypto uses. It's one that I certainly recommend. David, what are they rolling out? Yeah, so SAFE is proposing their modular open source SAFE core protocol as the standard way to move forward for the wallet transition to smart contract wallets. If y'all ever caught my talk at DevCon, there's just universal consensus in the world of wallets and in the world of Ethereum that we are going to all have smart contract wallets by default, but that is not the way things currently are. That is the future that we are trying to get there. SAFE, like I said, is pro uh, proposing their SAFE core protocol as the standard. And so they want you to check it out. It features an un unopinionated core standard as vendor agnostic, high component reuse and robust security. This is how we prevent bugs uh, while also maintaining interoperability and smart account diversity. So there's a link in the show notes to get started with SafeCore if you are a dev. They also have a SafeCon coming up in uh, Berlin, Germany. So if you are in around Germany or around the European area, uh, they are doing a SafeCon in September. Uh, so check out the link in the show notes to get started with that. Con, con as in conference, by the way, all right? Not, yes. not con as in like a con job. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I hate that we have to specify this. <laughs> What is this industry? Well, this is, well, this is crypto, David. <laughs> Let me introduce you. Um, there have been some cons in crypto. This yes, they're in this agenda, actually. Multiple. We have <laughs> yeah. multiple cons in this agenda. One, one of them is living down the street from you, as we just <laughs> yes. said. Yes, and one of them we'll is a conference. <laughs> <laughs> but first, markets. want to thank Kraken for showing us the market charts today. And I got to ask you, David, what's cracking with Bitcoin price? God, I'm never going to do There were two in a row on this one. 
29,500 is where we started. We are currently mm. experiencing some red candles coming in at below 28,000. Are we below 28,000 right now? This is a yes. moment where I'm going to have to ask the Bankless Nation to please pull out your price checker app uh, to check out the prices because they're probably outdated. 27,700. Like wow. Uh, these numbers have updated in the last like five seconds. Uh, we are currently dumping uh, down below 5%, negative 5%. Look at this red candle. Why? Yeah, that's a, that's Why are we dumping one. on the red candle? I don't know. By more right. sellers and buyers. All right. Well, at least it's not flat. Well, at least it's it not flat. For the past at three, least it's not four flat. weeks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ether doing the same thing. This also looks dumping. like an equivalent chart. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So Ether, when I put these numbers in, was at 1740. We are now at 1730. So we are down 6%. 6%. Hmm. All right. Might have to find out um, afterwards. Also, the ratio. Uh, Ratio's, down? Ratio is doing normal. Stuff. No. It's flat. Okay. It's flat. Pretty flat. Uh, total crypto market cap, we're still above a trillion, 1.16 trillion. Uh, tell us about layer two beat though, okay? So this is the total value locked. Um, tell me this number's going up at least. That number is going up. We are at $10.1 billion TVL on layer two with the activity, the activity uh, past 5X ETH layer one. So combined uh, Ethereum throughput on this layer twos, if you want to hit that activity tab, Ryan. Uh, oh, is do. now 5x. Oh, we're ah, down to 4.92. It was five earlier. We broached, we breached five for the first time. We are now at 4.92. Although five I will, X of what? Of Ethereum. Remind us. So ratios of Ethereum's throughput to the Ethereum layer one. So layer twos are doing five Ethereums collectively versus the Ethereum layer one. Uh, base is now included, I believe, in all of this TVL and activity, which we'll talk about in a little bit how the base launch has gone so far. Um, but before we get there, I want to talk about the trad markets for a second. Oh, boy. This is this is the thing that caught my interest this week. This is the Atlanta Fed. And, you know, when they say Atlanta Fed, the Fed is um, has all these different, I'm, I'm going to call them chapters. They're not chapters, but, you know, geographic you know, ba- banks. The Atlanta Fed apparently has a model which predicts uh, GDP for the U.S. and their model is currently predicting 5.8% GDP growth in Q3. Uh, it seems wildly optimistic, uh, and yet 5.7. That's that's annualized over the year, right? 5.8% annualized over the year, but just in Q3. Right. Okay. So 5.8% is gargantuan. That's a big quarter. That okay. is a no, huge no. quarter. You have to take this with a grain of salt uh, because it's a prediction model. And as more data comes in, it will probably go down. All right. But a lot of the market indicators of GDP have been up, including industrial production uh, print, which showed factory output uh, jumped 1% in July. Uh, So it looks like GDP ain't too bad. I don't know if you ever look at this chart, David, but let me show you. This is um, on the St. Louis Fed, they keep track of a bunch of the GDP numbers here. Yeah, this is, my uh, this is GDP over time. Look at that. Hmm. So you see COVID right. uh, <laughs> down 30% on a, in Q2 2020. That was a bad quarter. Negative 32% uh, GDP. <laughs> we popped up. But we did pop up uh, to positive in Q3 2020. Wow. Positive from the previous. Anyway, this is where we are right now. Uh, maybe I'll circle in on a... Uh, yeah, let's know, zoom in. Yeah, that's yeah, a, that is an up into the right chart. Right? Wow. Now, um, so I guess the, the end of the story is uh, GDP is not looking so bad these days. Yeah, and, um, that I, is insane, actually. like that. Are you surprised by this? This is why I put it in here, because I was like, oh, I haven't been looking at GDP for a while because, you right. know, <laughs> other numbers are more interesting. But these numbers are better than I thought they'd be. Yes, yeah, so this is, a, I will call this a flash, as in this is a single point of measurement. 
Mm -hmm. uh, it's it really matters with if this thing continues. This is a mm -hmm. this is a one of those charts where it's actually the area under the curve that is the big thing rather than the single point of reference. Um, mm -hmm. And so the longer that this is sustained, the better it gets. But man, coming in at 5.8%, that is crazy. Where is all this well, GDP? Where are we getting this GDP from? Uh, what couch question. cushion did we look under? Yeah, that's probably a subject for an entire podcast. But what's interesting is um, I don't hear the R word, recession, right. being said very often these days. And a year ago, that was a, kind of a different story. Um, all right. Well, let's let's uh, actually talk about what base is doing because uh, no recession in layer two is either. And base launched recently. Was that last week? The week before? Week. Yep, that was last okay. week. Okay, last week. Uh, how's it going? What are we looking at? Uh, I would say I said on Twitter. This is one of the takes I gave. Is that this was the best protocol launch that crypto has ever seen? Wow. Z zero hiccups. Bridging was seamless. Like mm -hmm. no one has had any problems. UI UX of interacting with base is great. You know, transaction fees are super cheap because it's a layer two, as we know. Uh, failed transactions, no one's talking about any failed transactions anywhere. And there's a ton of apps. There's a ton of things to do. The first the first time I went on base, I, I ended up minting like five NFTs inside of two minutes. Really? And, and I redeemed one for a hat, which is sitting on my wall over there. It says on-chain. A it's utility an on -chain, NFT. A utility. Yeah, I minted an NFT. And then I went to like a Stripe checkout page and then... Was connected my wallet and had the NFT in it and the $30 hat dropped to zero because that's what the NFT does. And then I bought the hat and all within like five minutes. It was great. And uh, you actually received the hat. I had, it was yeah. not a con. Yeah. You want me to go show you? <laughs> no it's great. Yeah. Yeah, uh, go show me. Go TV, I'll, I'll go grab it and after I spit off some, some facts. Uh, oh, TVL, okay. almost uh, two, over $230 million. So closing in on one quarter of a billion dollars. Averaging, averaging almost nine transactions a second over 24 hours. Uh, which makes this the second most popular layer two behind ZK Sync Era, which has got 10.2 transactions per second. Although I bet you the ratio between like users doing things that I was doing, like and then bots on, on ZK Sync is probably different. Um, transaction volume all time high on August 10th with a record of you ready for this? 136,000 active wallets on the network. What? Yeah, 42 of them were all first time base users. 42,000, not 42. Um, yeah, so a, a whole total number of 142,000 unique wallets have already bridged assets over to base and claimed the bridge to base NFT. This is going to be one of those NFTs. Can you, I don't know if you can pull that up or if you have that pulled up, the bridge to base NFT. Maybe you want to search Google for it. Um, uh, bridge to base NFT. Yeah. This is going to be one of those NFTs where like, you're going to show your grandkids like one back in the day I, I used to, I used a bridge to get onto base and I minted the NFT and it's one of, yeah, one of these things. Yeah. Uh -huh. You can Wait, see, how you can, do I get this? Press the mint button, bro. Like with a wallet that I've bridged with? Or yes, I exactly. Any? Yeah, MetaMask, okay. Coinbase wallet, Phantom I gotta go works. find a wallet that I've bridged with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's or cool. You, or you can bridge. It takes two, like two seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh -huh. So some great, great success out of base. I'll go get my hat. Yeah, I, I can't bridge live on the episode, David. All right, he's getting his hat. One second. On chain hat. Hey, there it is. Yeah, oh, wait, uh, zoom in. There it is. It just says on chain. It, says, it just says on chain. Yeah, uh -huh. I like that on chain hat. That's yeah. a great hat. That's all. There, it needs there to were say. other colors. There was like white on white. There was white on black. But I got the red on black because it matches my bankless hat. 
Yeah, that looks very, that's very bankless of you. Um, of course, the best analysis comes uh, from Poop Man, <laughs> one of my favorite Twitter accounts, Twitter accounts right now. <laughs> Poop Man, DeFi. Bro, there are uh, senators that listen to the show, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. They had, they need to respect Poop Man. They need to know too, David. <laughs> Poop Man, DeFi. Thank you for the day. What is Poop Man Dude, telling us about base? this is a great base? analysis. Poop it Man, is. It's DeFi, pretty good. Put in a great tweet about base. Okay, so base has been earning 3x more revenue than ARB or Optimism, Arbitrum or Optimism, while only incurring... 50% of batch submitter cost compared to the others. Interesting. So like this is the cost of actually being a roll up. You submit uh, the batches down to the layer one. Uh, comparing the daily fee margins from transaction fees between Optimism, Arbitrum, and Base, Base revenues in the last uh, week, I think, uh, 1.25 million. Optimism revenue, 424,000. Optimism, I did say Arbitrum, but I stopped because I thought I did. Arbitrum revenue, 424,000. Optimism revenue, 404,000. What makes this more interesting is that the cost of batch submitters on base is almost the is the cheapest among all of these. So a submitter cost for base, 522000 an Arbitrum submitter cost, 950000 and an Optimism submitter cost, $1 million. What do you mean submitter cost? Is how much you pay Ethereum? Uh, uh, yes. Gas fees? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, and so like this is, so, the, this is one of the, the costs of the protocol. I've never, so I, the actually, profit... It, Mm-hmm. If you want to calculate the profit, you take those fees, the one point yep. two five million of base revenue, and you subtract yep. largely the base submitter cost, five hundred twenty two k. We're still left with what seven hundred k in profit. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Hey. And like this is that? this is the Coinbase. Uh, Coinbase gets eighty five percent, and then the OP Collective gets fifteen percent. Is Wall Street noticing this? No, probably not. Hmm. Probably not. Um, so he, he continues, uh, if this data is correct, base is likely the most cost effective and profitable layer two right now. Thanks. This is probably, uh, from the fame from Coinbase base has been able to leverage its network effects and popularity to drive immense on-chain activities and volume, potentially create a positive feedback loop, increased volume attracts more users, more users in turn, build more projects on base. Um, and you know, rinse and repeat. Uh, and then also like we have this new friends tech phenomenon, which I bet you is one of a nice, healthy chunk of the volume on base right now. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. Base is going to be a growing part of the content app permissionless. I, I think I said this last week, but me, Ben Jones from Optimism, Jesse from base are on a panel at permissionless, uh, where we're going to talk about some of these details all about the base layer two and its relationship to the Optimism Collective. Um, and since we're talking about permissionless, this is a PSA for all bankless citizens out there. Oh, we are th- we are throwing I'm a, a party. Are oh, you you're a citizen? Yeah, you're inv- you're I invited. Pay you're in- for our product. Do, do you, you pay for our product? <laughs> do you, wait? Do you pay for it with a company credit card or a personal credit card? A, I think a personal credit card because I've but- never deactivated. <laughs> you're not a citizen, <laughs> David. Uh, you have no, I, I am. I, I but I pay with the company credit card. <laughs> <laughs> All Anyways, right. Anyway, if you, if you are get? a bankless citizen, we are throwing a party. How big of a party? Five hundred people. Who's coming? Ooh. You, if you're going to Permissionless and you're a bankless citizen, you are invited. And mm. literally everyone who's at Permissionless, who's also been on the podcast before, so like all of the speakers that we invited, and basically all of our friends and and you know people that we like to hang out with in the space, and also the, all the bankless citizens. Uh, so they're uh, in the Discord. Go to the Discord, say, and there is there will eventually be a link that we're going to hand around to our citizens. Uh, and so make sure to come. It's going to be very, very fun. Ryan will actually be there. I will be uh, present. It'll, it's at a bar. So this Ryan and it. I will have drinks. I'm going to sit right there. That's look look at that the bar. Yeah, that, that's your spot. Me. That's your spot? Yeah, that's my spot. Wait, I'm gonna, we'll I'm we'll say elsewhere. one thing. 
Uh, well, yeah. I mean, we won't talk to each other the whole no. night, right? <laughs> we, we don't hang out in real life. I, I, um, <laughs> one thing I should say is, okay, there, there, there's a place for 500, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we might not be able to give everyone who is a bankless citizen a ticket. Hopefully. Yeah, I don't know how many bankless citizens are showing up to permission. It's list. while availability lasts. Yes. We'll just uh, say uh, that. Yes. So. As soon as we have 500, we, uh, you know, fire, fire code says we can't fire have co- code. Nation state regulations yeah, nation state are regulations preventing us from yeah, gathering more yes, than five hundred right, people. Yeah, yeah, they're oppressing the bankless nation. But we're not there yet, so uh, stay tuned for that link if you're a bankless citizen. It's going to be fun. What do we got coming up next, David? Coming up next, we're going to talk about friend tech, the ph- phenomenon that has swept through crypto Twitter passing fad or new paradigm. Uh, if it is a passing fad, is there still lessons to be learned? We will talk about this. Uh, SBF, my new neighbor, we're going to talk about how that happened. Uh, and then we are also, we, bankless, are dropping an app to help you hunt some airdrops. So all this is coming up and more, but first a moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible, especially Kraken, the actual organization who's gonna give us all free drinks at the party. And then Kraken will (laughs) also be at the party. Thank you Kraken for all the free drinks and also sponsoring the Bankless Nation. Cheers. Kraken Pro has easily become the best crypto trading platform in the industry. The place I use to check the charts and the crypto prices, even when I'm not looking to place a trade. On Kraken Pro, you'll have access to advanced charting tools, real-time market data, and lightning fast trade execution, all inside their spiffy new modular interface. Kraken's new customizable modular layout lets you tailor your trading experience to suit your needs. Pick and choose your favorite modules and place them anywhere you want in your screen. With Kraken Pro, you have that power. Whether you are a seasoned pro or just starting out, join thousands of traders who trust Kraken Pro for their crypto trading needs. Visit pro.kraken.com to get started today. You know Uniswap. It's the world's largest decentralized exchange with over $1.4 trillion in trading volume. You know this because we talk about it endlessly on Bankless. It's Uniswap, but Uniswap is becoming so much more. Uniswap Labs just released the Uniswap Mobile Wallet for iOS, the newest, easiest way to trade tokens on the go. With a Uniswap wallet, you can easily create or import a new wallet, buy crypto on any available exchange with your debit card with extremely low fiat on-ramp fees, and you can seamlessly swap on Mainnet, Polygon, Arbitrum, and Optimism. On the Uniswap mobile wallet, you can store and display your beautiful NFTs, and you can also explore Web3 with the in-app search features, market leaderboards, and price charts, or use Wallet Connect to connect to any Web3 application. So you can now go directly to DeFi with the Uniswap mobile wallet. Safe, simple custody from the most trusted team in DeFi. Download the Uniswap wallet today on iOS. There's a link in the show notes. Friend.tech swept crypto last week. It's a new application on base. Okay, explain this one to me. What is friend.tech and why does why is everyone flocking to this app? Yeah, it is an app built on base. But in, okay, so it's it's an app, I, I think it's for iOS only. Um because well, it's not it's not an iOS app. But it, it, okay, I see what you're saying. Yes. It, okay. It only works on iOS devices, right? Yes. Okay. So they why why are we like hung up on this one little point? Because of the iOS App Store charges its thirty percent fees to all apps. So Friends.Tech did this workaround where Safari on the the native Apple browser that no one uses has this ability, this native ability in your iPhone to actually take a website and then turn it into a little widget square, just like a normal app. But it's not an app. An icon. It's, it's just a di- an icon, right? It's just a direct to a specific website. And so using that, it turns it and it, it behaves like an app. It's kind of clunky, but it's the workaround so that they don't have to pay uh, the Apple store. They don't have to go they through don't the iOS. Permission? No it's permission. It's just like the, the internet used to be, David. Right? Yep. Remember, you could just spin up an app and yep. everyone who typed in the URL could access it. We didn't have to go through gatekeepers. We didn't yep. have to pay any app fees. It's like that. 
Yep. And it's it's a little bit harder, right? If you're used it's to a, kind it's of the kind of clunky because it's okay. a, it's one of the first of its kind. They actually, but so it's I, doable. I, I, the first time I actually used this was to actually turn ChatGPT into an app before they actually release an app. So mm-hmm. like it was a nice little shortcut, right? Uh, but this is actually a core part of how this stack is built. Then you uh, sign in using a, a code. It's like you know they're doing their gated launch to help you know drum up excitement about it. So I got a code, submitted it opened up friends.app and I'm given a base wallet and a brand new Ethereum wallet that is non-custodial. No one, that's my wallet because it's built into my phone because it's saved in the little app thing. So I have my own wallet. I link my Twitter account. And so I link my Twitter account to this wallet and all of a sudden I have my friend's profile and then people start buying shares of me. Uh, why are people buying shares of me? Yeah, why? I don't know because I'm just why such a valuable. Bullish? I'm just a valuable <laughs> friend to own shares about because yeah. they want to sell you. Or they want to make money on you. Well, they David? they think that other people are also going to buy shares on of me. Ah. Yeah, and so yeah. there's like a leaderboard for this. Well, one step too, you actually have to bridge some ether. Yes, right? so I, I bridged over this. like 0.1 ether to get myself started here. Okay, it's like you know ten dollars or something. You can mm-hmm. you can go a very low amount to kind of bootstrap this thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so why why yeah why is everyone so excited about this? Isn't is this just a Ponzi game for influencers? Is this the the OnlyFans th- of crypto pros? <laughs> like what? I think it <laughs> is, is a Ponzi game for influencers. Part of the incentive okay. is that uh, you your account you get five percent of all share trading fees. And then the friends app creators, the app, the company also gets 5%. And then, so when you buy a share, 90, you, uh, 10% of the, the value of the share, 5% goes to the profile, the influencer, or, you know, your friend. Um, and then 5% goes to the company and then you retain the share. Uh, and so like me as somebody with a following, I can be like, Oh, go buy my shares. And then I get trading fees. And so I have accumulated 1.4 ether from trading fees. What? Yes. So the, to, to date, and there are, let me see, there are, how many people have bought my shares? How many people, sh- um, I'm checking it, I'm checking it. I used to be, I used to be a shareholder, You David. did, you dumped me. And I, I have, sold, I you, sold I have low. 45 holders, I have 45 holders, and then I can't, I don't know the supply, but like, I, I own five shares of myself, because I believe in myself. Um, <laughs> zero X bread guy. Oh, so you're pumping, <laughs> you're pumping your own bags, huh? I'm allowed, yeah. I'm allowed to do this. <laughs> It's transparent, right? Zero X Bread Guy also owns five shares of me. Goon Machine owns four shares. Tangle Account Accountant owns two shares. Altcoin Daily IO owns two shares. Hyro uh, Ken- Kennelly from the Bankless DAO, he owns two shares of me. Uh, how, and how my work? current shares are at all-time highs. So all my followers, Ryan, are in profit. What, is it, what does it take to get a share of David on friend.tech One right now? share of David currently costs 0.26 Ether. 0.26 ether are you kidding me that's hundreds yes. of dollars how much is that that is like four hundred dollars well again four hundred dollars get, get le- getting less now to get a oh, share so like you can sell your share too right and so also i have committed to distributing all of my trading fees that i accumulate in seven days starting on sunday to one of my shareholders so on this <gasps> so you do on this sunday i'm just going full ponzi on a, this this <laughs> sunday a, Surprise. I, like I said, I have accumulated 1.41 Ether in trading fees. That will continue to go up. So every time somebody buys one of my shares, and especially as my shares get more expensive, the mm. point, the 5% of the trading fees that goes into my trading fees earned also goes up. So uh, 0.25 Ether to buy one of my shares, 5% of that goes into ah. trading fees. And I am raffling that off to one of my shareholders on Sunday. So go buy my shares. Wow. That, that, that is um, worth a disclosure. 
I think David David is benefiting from all of the shares <laughs> and he is making a commitment. I hey, you better not refund it to yourself because you're a shareholder. So you're gonna hey, I'm allowed. To, it, I'm I own I own five shares. If I yeah. win, then I get my own trading fees. I will do this in a public trustless way. Trustless, trust me, bro. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's the plan. What's fu- what's funny about so one, one question I have for you about the share price. So it's basically shares go up the more demand there is, or is Correct. This it's just like a algorithm? Uniswap curve. Yeah. So as somebody oh, it's as a Uniswap curve. Yeah. Yeah. It's an X times Y equals K kind of thing. So as more people buy my shares, they get more pricey. Okay. I think, I think so I'm, I think I'm top twenty. I think I'm top twenty. Dang, David. Now you're just I feel like I'm uh, just ultra show right now. Let's yeah. let's yeah, talk yeah. about. I'm like I'm like top twenty. Yeah. 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 Let's talk about what um this is doing uh in general. So friend.tech on basis generated 650,000 for users, for users. Mm-hmm. They've gone to people like David. Mm-hmm. Uh, after launching a beta a week ago, users received the 5% shares you talked about. With over 250,000 transactions and 23,000 unique users, user counts are higher than Ethereum's largest NFT platforms per, uh, combined. This is a tweet um, from a Masari analyst giving us this info. So those are some of the stats that uh, make this happen. Okay, so I've got this app open. It's called friendmex.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, what in the world am I looking at right now? F- friendmex is a reference to BitMEX, which is this old derivatives exchange that Arthur Hayes used to run before they got in trouble with the law. Um, and But this is just like the, the dashboard of friends if you are a trader. So like bots and people are who are making bets on other people are making money here. So like some people have made a lot, a lot of money. I think I saw somebody people like profiting 30 ETH. If you go over to the Discover on the far right side and scroll down about 20-ish people, you'll you'll find me again on the leaderboard because I'm coming up, you know, using using you? my trading fees to pump up my position. You have to keep scrolling, David. There, uh, right, there you go. Trust us, you just scrolled right past it. Oh, yeah, my, my profile picture is broken. Yeah, yeah. Mark, I have a market cap of 18.8 Ether. What's so that cool is, that is the value just... of David Hoffman, apparently. 18 Ether. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I think you personally, I think you're worth more, but I'm also not... <laughs> going to be buying a share uh anytime <laughs> soon but maybe i should maybe i should maybe you should yeah what's cool about this is um and people are you know maybe asking why we're talking about this so much um this is this friend max website was just spun up mm-hmm. like because all of this data is public all of this data is open and you can create an exchange on top of base on top of friend.tech so mm-hmm. um friend.tech is powered by smart contracts uh, yep. completely in the background. All of it can you, is can open you go source. Click my, my profile so you can see my chart. See my chart of my net worth. Who are you? Uh, right there. I just click this. Yeah, they can click. Look at oh, that wow. chart. Oh, that's bullish. Oh, that's so bullish. That's a bullish chart. That's a buy. <laughs> and you can connect your, you can connect your wallet right from this app yep. and trade. Yep. Although I don't know, it's you know, maybe not audited. You be careful where you connect your wallet here, folks. Yeah, okay? We're is, not yeah. necessarily endorsing this. Um, you know why I'm excited about this mm-hmm. is, you know, not, not just to buy different influencers like right. David or Kobe or anything else. I feel like this is very much a proof of concept, uh, for a next thing that we've unlocked, right? Mm-hmm. You know, last week we were talking about, um, Unipig and how that felt like a paradigm shift. We just unlocked layer twos for the first time. This to me feels kind of like this. This to me almost feels a little bit like crypto kitties did, mm-hmm. um, at, you know, what it, when was that? 2017, 2018? Yep. We were like, oh, yep. NFTs. Like right. we just unlocked some new primitive. Um, this this Twitter poster agrees with me. Nicholas, friend tech, 
Friend.tech is not a revolution in social tokens. It's the wow moment about a brand new stack. PWA, progressive web app. That's, that's, that's the Safari, Safari app we were talking about. Web2 login. Oh, that's a great point. You could just log in with what? Your Apple ID, your yep. Google ID. Yep. Embedded self-custodial wallet. So it's still bankless. Mm-hmm. Layer two transaction fees. So you're not paying like dollars for uh, transactions to do this. iOS notifications. It's all of those things combined. And to me, it feels like a proof of concept. I mean, likely this thing is just, you know, it's going to pump and dump. It is natively a you know, Ponzi scheme. I guess there is some utility in, in here in that if somebody purchases a share of someone else, then they unlock this chat room, right? Yeah, we totally and, forgot the main point of this. App, yeah, okay, which well, is let's like talk owning, about that. Owning a share unlocks a chat room. And so like, why are people buying my shares? I'm actually in there like answering questions that people have directly. So like providing value to my shareholders, right? Like there's a room where you can direct access to the influencer that you've, you know, influencer. Uh, whoever you own a share for, you can go talk to them directly. And if like they don't respond or they give you shitty answers, you can dump them and move on to the next one until you find a room that provides value to you. It's cool. I think it's very cool. And I will say it's uh, the most fun I've had in crypto in a while. And it yeah. felt it felt very much like um, crypto. Wait, are, you, are, you, are you still active in there? Um, I, I, look, I bought I have and other dumped things your to share, do. so I also, I did. you sold me, I, I yeah, we both sold each other. I, I activated on Friday and Saturday and I was like, oh, this is cool. I see where this is going. I'm gonna let other people like do these things, oh, okay. but you know, maybe, maybe look, maybe, maybe Ryan is underpriced relative to David on friend.tech. I'm, you know, I mean, I'm just saying that's a possibility. It is, it is a possibility. Yeah. So you're taking a bet that Ryan's going to start becoming active rather than the guy who's already <laughs> active. <laughs> Uh, and who's so also giving away 1.4 ether to his shareholders? What are you doing? You don't even have 1.4 oh ether to give away. Look at this. See this? These are the types of games that, like, yeah. it's basically every creator is, I, I suppose, incented in like to do something. And and I think that the chat room is the first layer of utility, but other right. layers of utility can be added. Like, what? Imagine if this was scaled out to like Kobe was teasing his followers with feet picks. Okay, that's, right? That's what he like, shows. Um, imagine. Okay. So I was right. It's, it's only fans for crypto bros. Right. So, <laughs> but what happens if you scale this out beyond kind of like the, the, um, the crypto crowd and you yeah. scale this out to like, I don't know, music artists. I mean, right. how much would people pay for like Taylor Swift chat room? Oh like God. a share of that. So much. <laughs> you can see how this scales and how the social games, like it's just social clout, economic games, uh, meets crypto. <laughs> And yeah. it just, something about this for me just kind of works or unlocks something that's going to be absolutely big. And again, I don't know that friend.tech will capture all of this, but somebody's going to. We're, we're in a new frontier here. I think really the biggest th- uh, pressure that I see on this on the future is the progressive web app. This is mm. the crypto native application that just routes around the 30% tax of Apple. And if this becomes standard, if like a, a lot of people start you know pro- providing services through progressive web apps that are crypto. And so like anyone that wants to do their thing, but they can't because of Apple, they just start doing this progressive web app instead. It's a bargaining chip against Apple because we just routed it. around their gate. Guys, but, it's it's the open internet, right? Because yeah. if you if you tried to do this on uh, the app store, they'd want 30% transaction right. fee for all of this. Like it yeah. wouldn't work. Like right. their systems are not set up to handle crypto economics yeah. in this way. Yeah. And so we, we, it's a big bargaining chip that the crypto industry has to force Apple's hands to either lower their fee or just let crypto in or do something, or we'll just, you know, progressive web app our way around their gate. Guys, I'm, I'm only half joking when I'm, I, I'm about to say this. Our Ponzi games are going to change the world. 
They're going to change yes. the internet. Like, and for I, real. This is going to lead to a more open internet. Yeah. Ponzi games versus Ponzi schemes. Ponzi schemes yeah. are where somebody's a rug puller. Ponzi games is where it's kind of just a collective game of chicken that we all agree to play. Well, I mean, and some that, of these influencers, cool. some of these influencers on there might be rug pullers. You don't know. I mean, yeah, some of them you, might be. They could, they could depends walk what game us. they're playing. They could walk among us right now. Uh, what do we got next? Okay, the SEC versus Coinbase. I feel like this is the Avengers assembling here, David, because a, a set of lawyers uh, filed what's called an amicus brief saying the SEC should stop, should leave Coinbase alone, basically, should drop the case. Okay, and um, what is an amicus brief, you might ask? Do you have that question, David? I you know what an amicus brief I, is? I, it sounds like some lawyer speak. Okay, I think it it basically is lawyer speak. It's basically where a bunch of outside lawyers who have some level of of prestige, some level of legitimacy, um, write their opinion on a case, either while the case is in progress or you know before it goes. Why, why do they do this? Um, you know, they just want to communicate their position. And so, depending on the the level of legitimacy, I think court system, like the court system, the legal system, will kind of look on this not as a piece of evidence necessarily. But um, as a, you know, an element of the argument here. And so this is a bunch of lawyers who've stood up and said, hey, the SEC is out of line here. So the law professors are from Yale, University of Chicago, UCLA, Boston University. uh, And they go through and they school the SEC on the history and meaning of an investment contract, both during and after the passage of the original Federal Securities Act in 1933, the act that gives the SEC their power. And what are their conclusions? Their conclusions are basically that the SEC's argument that crypto tokens are trading on secondary markets are investment contracts Mm. is wrong. That's what their conclusion is. I think the significance of this is not just that this opinion is being expressed. The crypto industry has been trying to express this opinion for years now. Mm. The significance of this is that it is a band of legal minds who are putting forth a legal document, which is now in the public space for anyone and all to use in any sort of future legal proceedings that they might need to use it. So I think like really it's like these Avengers coming together to produce this future document that allows for any any other lawyer to leverage the arguments if they ever find themselves in the positions of needing to be leveraged. And so it's ammo, it's collective ammo for us as an industry to shoot. That's is that fair? I feel like I think that's that's totally fair. Yep. And so this is uh, A16Z Crypto and Paradigm also filing uh, an amicus brief that is as similar. And their argument is also similar. The SEC's approach is a significant and problematic expansion of its regulatory authority and even threatens purchases of Taylor Swift concerts (laughs) and Tesla's. Oh, no. Taylor Swift shares. Yeah, definitely friend shares, David. Senator Lummis as well has added to uh, the voice of the lawyers coming out swinging against the SEC, asking the courts to actually drop the lawsuit entirely. I don't know how often that happens where a senator like chastises a regulator and says, like, the court system should absolutely drop the case. Um, Meanwhile, there was actually some good news on the regulatory front this week. Yeah, Coinbase announced that uh, the National Futures Association, which is apparently a CFTC-designated SRO, has approved a Coinbase financials market as a registered futures commission merchant. Coinbase can now offer futures contract in Bitcoin and Ether to eligible customers inside of the United States. Inside of the United States. That's us. That's us. That's big, right? Yeah. So Coinbase was recently, like six months ago or so, making a big push to be international. 
because mm. they could not do this because they could not offer competitive products and services that push push so much United States capital offshore to things like Binance and FTX. So mm. now they are given the green light to do some of these future stuff inside the United States so that Coinbase can do it. So that's great news. Yeah. CFTC playing nice, the SEC still not playing nice, but, uh, you know, two steps forward, one stop back and we'll get there eventually. David, speaking of two steps forward, SBF is now your neighbor. What were we teasing in the intro? Where's SBF right now? Yeah. So two steps forward to jail. The federal (laughs) judge has revoked SBF's bail for attempting to tamper with witnesses. Lol. Uh, so that he has been moved from house arrest with his parents in Palo Alto, California, to a New York jail awaiting his criminal trial on October 2nd. Wait, was, because he was tampering with witnesses while yes. he was in his parents' basement? Yes, yes. He was uh, attempting to tamper with witnesses and therefore violated the terms of the bail. Turns out if you're on bail, you're not allowed to tamper with witnesses. Okay. Uh, prosecutor, so, you know, mental note for... <laughs> Seems reasonable, but yeah. okay. Uh, prosecutors allege that SBF repeatedly tried to uh, corruptly influence witness and interfere with a fair trial through attempted public harassment and shaming. Wow. Uh, Okay, so, um, and so he's in New York. Not only is he in New York, he is in Brooklyn. Uh, Really? Yeah, so a federal uh, judge revoked uh, bail for FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried, and the crypto entrepreneur was sent to a crowded Brooklyn administrative prison known for grueling conditions as he awaits trial in October. Uh, The quote from someone who's familiar with the matter says, the existence is pretty bleak of the inside of the jail. Federal prosecutors that have alleged that Bankman-Fried, 31, violated his bail agreements, of course, uh, communicating with a New York Times reporter about Caroline Ellison, his former girlfriend, who previously served as CEO of Alameda, of course, uh, and uh, and Ellison, uh, Caroline, has pleaded guilty to multiple fraud charges and entered a plea deal to testify against SBF. So we have, you know, ex-girlfriend, ex-boyfriend, you know, in a prisoner's dilemma together. Apparently, SBF released her diary, which he had access to, which is just like, I mean, he's a sleazeball, so it's not beneath him. But that's why he he's back in jail, because he's tampering with with uh, with uh, witnesses. He's like, uh, I put his, the, uh, the address of where the jail is in Google Maps and in my apartment. It's like a 30-minute bus ride. It's not that that's, bad. That's so bizarre. But David, I'm not sure if the corruption stops just with SBF. So the DOJ this week released an indictment alleging that SBF was lobbying Congress and high-level government officials. This is pretty big news. You wonder who else was caught up in SBF's trap here, and it it sounds like there's a lot of people on Capitol Hill that may need to provide some answers around this. Yeah, I don't think this is news to anyone in the crypto industry who's been following the FTX case, but of course, FTX and SBF just like spewed out what the DOJ is alleging to be over hundreds of millions of dollars to both Democrats and Republicans. So Quote from this article, the defendant's use of customer deposits to conduct a political influence campaign was a part of the wire fraud scheme charged in the original indictment. And as a part of the originally charged money laundering scheme, the defendant also concealed the source of fraudulent proceeds through political straw donations. So the DOJ is on the case, which is great. because We're going to get some more clarity and we're going to see who turned a blind eye to all that incoming money from FTX. David, this is absolutely crazy, but this actually might make Gary Gensler a witness in this case, okay? Which would mean if that I don't happens, think it, it, we're, what is not being charged is that Gary Gensler received money. That's not. That's not just to make sure that's crystal clear. It's true. Um, 
We yeah. don't know, but he but might be he a witness. Still he could still be compelled to testify. Which is and that hilarious. would mean that SPF's lawyers would be able to cross-examine Gensler under oath at a trial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where can I buy tickets? Man, Are if tickets East was pumping right now, that would just make my day. It would be a complete day, but we're dumping instead. Uh, what do we got coming up next, though, David? Twitter fights over fraud proofs. We're going to talk about this controversy and how you should understand it. Also, Gitcoin partnering with Shell... The oil company has obviously caused some controversy. We'll talk about both sides of that argument as well. And also, we found Donald Trump's ETH address. You'll never guess what he's holding. All of this coming up and more. But first, a moment to talk about some of our fantastic sponsors that make this show possible, especially MetaMask Portfolio. If you have not opened up MetaMask Portfolio, it is your battle station for the multi-chain bull market that is coming. So check it out. There's a link in the show notes. Are you a MetaMask user? Well, you're listening to Bankless, so of course you are. The wallet you know and love just got a whole lot better. MetaMask Portfolio is the ultimate one-stop shop for all of your crypto needs. It gives you a holistic view of your crypto portfolio across multiple chains and multiple addresses all at once. You can easily view and manage all your coins, tokens, and NFTs in one convenient place just by connecting your wallet. MetaMask Portfolio goes beyond just viewing your portfolio, though. Inside the portfolio, you can do all the incredible money verbs that make DeFi so powerful. You can buy, swap, bridge, and stake your crypto assets with ease. It's like having a powerful battle station for all your DeFi moves right at your fingertips. So if you're looking to do more in Web3 your way, MetaMask Portfolio is the answer. I already know that you have MetaMask Wallet, so go check out your MetaMask Portfolio. Learn more at metamask.io slash portfolio. Introducing ETHX from Stater. ETHX is a liquid staking token designed to maximize rewards all while securing Ethereum. With Stater, you can run an Ethereum node with just four ETH, which is 85% lower capital and 35% higher returns versus just solo staking. Stater has a multi-pool architecture with both permissionless and permission node operators to enable decentralization and scalability. Stater has extensive experience in building liquid staking solutions on six proof-of-stake blockchains and is trusted by over 70,000 stakers. Stater has partnered with over 40 leading protocols on these chains to bring DeFi utility to their liquid staking tokens. Stater is actively building integrations and partnerships across Ethereum to bring the same great DeFi utility to the ETHX token. While smart contract bugs are always a risk in DeFi, the ETHX smart contract has received three independent audits and has a million dollar bug bounty with ImmuneFi. Go to staterlabs.com ETH stake to access the Stater staking protocol today. As we've gotten into layer two summer, the layer two wars are heating up. Uh, and so this week it was fraud proofs, fraud proofs, do they matter? Uh, and so this is a uh, post from Matt Feibeck. Uh, he says, it's crazy how few people are aware of the risks of using optimism and other OP stack rollups, given that they do not have active fraud proofs. It's only, honestly one of the most substantial risks to the Ethereum ecosystem today. If the centralized sequencer wants to land invalid output proposals, it can't. In other words, the centralized optimism sequencer can settle a malicious transaction that removes all $3 billion in the bridge to an address of their choosing. There's nothing that anyone can do about it. It's really just a decentralization facade. We need to push these rollups to implement fraud proofs yesterday. Uh, so that is the, the oh my God, this is a really big deal. People should pay attention to this. Take number one. Here's take number two. Well, can I ask though, vein. David, sure. just, just to like set the basis. So who doesn't have fraud proofs? Which chains do and which chains don't? Is this all in layer two beat? Yeah, this is all on layer 2B. Most chains do not have fraud proofs. Most the Arbitrum Bold, most, most roll-ups, yes. The Arbitrum Bold um, announcement is, Arbitr is Arbitrum gaining decentralized fraud proofs. They, they still need that to be um, merged into the protocol, but, I mean, the DAO is going to vote yes and it's going to happen. Um, 
Uh, all OP stack rollups do not have fraud proofs because including has, base, which including is base maybe because why of, some of this right. narrative is heating up a bit. Right. So like the, the reason, yeah, that's exactly right. Why is this conversation happening now? Well, I think that's actually just like a normal immune response of the crypto industry. Sometimes stuff like this needs to happen. We are seeing new users and TVL and Mindshare grow, go to base, which is a fork of the OP stack, a clone of basically Optimism Bedrock. And then also, also Optimism Bedrock doesn't have fraud proofs uh, because they just haven't implemented it yet. Uh, and so now, the while there was previously some like grace to give in about layer two teams about their state of fraud proofs or lack thereof, uh, now people are like, okay, these things are mainnet now. Yeah, like it's are no, looking for dates and yeah, there's it's no longer time to be not having fraud proofs. Mm-hmm. So that was the first take. The second take is from a Martin Koppelman, who's maybe saying this a little bit more punchy. To be very clear. Until they add fraud proofs, all the $3 billion that are in the optimism and base bridges can be taken out at any time, and users can do nothing about that. Not sure under what definition this is called non-custodial. Okay, so these are like the two takes about like, yo, like red fire alarm sounds. We should be very cautious and concerned about this. Um, There is also the other half of the story, and I think DC Builder uh, said this very well. He said, tired of seeing takes shitting on optimism for not having canon live. Canon is their version of fraud proofs. (laughs) There, there was a lot of fighting on crypto Twitter, and, and so I don't. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm about to read the next sentence, and it was not in response to any of the just two takes. There was a lot of just like, if you're in crypto Twitter, you know that shit gets thrown. Yeah. Uh, you people should get a life, and tension seeking is not what is going to get you anywhere. Yes, Bedrock was a prerequisite for Canon. Yes, Canon has been the main focus of Optimism ever since they shipped Bedrock almost two months ago. Yes, all of the progress is available on GitHub for y'all to see. Stop making long threads about why your rollup is better when you either have permission fraud proofs live or a ZK system that is as uh, mature as a toddler and with more security surface area than the world's oceans. <laughs> David, Ooh. the kids are fighting. Ooh. Okay, and then okay, so then uh, AJ Warner from Arbitrum responded to this tweet, which I thought was very very useful, and so I'll just read that one as well. I'm obviously very biased here, so take my perspective with a Himalayan-sized grain of salt, but I don't think this criticism is because they don't have fraud proofs live. Building proofs is hard. Decentralizing proofs and making them permissionless is harder. If they think they're, they, the best roadmap for the project was emphasizing bedrock and making all of its components modular before building the prover, that is a super reasonable roadmap. I'm going to unpack that really quick before continuing. Building bedrock, which is the current implementation of Optimism mainnet and also base, was a precursor step to implementing fraud proofs. You need the bedrock scaffolding to insert the fraud proofs module into the scaffolding. They needed bedrock first so they could get to uh, implementing Canon. So I'll continue on with um, AJ's take. I think the criticism, which in my opinion is completely justified, is the other decision that uh, have also been made alongside that. This stems from my opinion that having some sort of prover with training wheels should be necessary to qualify as a stage zero rollup. This is how I think things have evolved and represents the frustration of many other roll-up teams. I don't think any other team or community uh, could have or would consider pulling off the below set of operations. One, if you want to prioritize a roadmap that will take years to build a prover, you don't have to launch a roll-up. The ZK teams didn't, and they lost a significant opportunity for market share and land grab. Two, if you launch, you don't have to launch a token and massive incentives to use the technology before the prover is built. Three, if you want to incentivize people to use your implementation, you don't have to prioritize building out the OP stack and super chain so that anyone in the world is encouraged to launch their own rollup. One of the reasons why I think the first bullet was acceptable by the community was because the optimism team is trustworthy and nobody thinks that they will steal funds. And I 100% share that sentiment, but they have extended that trustworthiness to the stack in which anyone can run it and the trust assumptions completely fall over. 
let me try and distill this. So the, the OP stack strategy, which I'm a big fan of, is to try and get as many chains as possible. Fork the OP stack, build your own chain, let's democratize access to building chains. That's one of the cool things about this technology, which is, I think is a great strategy. Um, then AJ is articulating here that that is like the order of operations is bad because if you promote doing that before you uh, solve your fraud proofs module, well, then you're actually promoting just the, the proliferation of centralized chains, which I think can is I a valid just, take. Can I interject there? So it's um, not that this hasn't been done before, right? So it, it's sort of a uh, market share type of prioritization. I also think sure. you can argue that that bedrock uh, is also necessary first and making that open source and releasing that. But there's definitely an argument that that some of um, Optimism's strategy has been a market share type of strategy. We've also seen this before. Polygon launched for years a proof-of-stake network, mm-hmm. and uh, that was a sidechain. And I, I remember before a lot of, um, you know, people out, you know, were angry about this. Mm-hmm. But I also remember that uh, Polygon took market share away from the Binance chain, which, to my knowledge, has no plan to actually phase into a Validium or a roll-up of any kind. Right. And so Polygon went with a market share approach and they added security and decentralization later. And that seems to be a bit more what optimism is, is doing in this case. And so some people are, are griping with the order of operations here. Yes, that's right. And so like it's a little bit of like damned if you do, damned if you don't for the optimism roadmap. Like I said, they needed to ship bedrock so that they could implement fraud proofs. What is bedrock? It is the OP stack. And so they simultaneously have the OP stack as a precursor to implementing fraud proofs. But then once they have the OP stack, then you have you know, Coinbase, Lyra, Public Goods Network, WorldCoin, Mantle, all forking the OP stack because they all want their chains. So yep. it's like, it's kind of just the way that the universe played out. Uh, but then I will also say like the immune response from you know, the broader layer two ecosystem saying, hey, not having fraud proofs is no longer like tenable in this in, you know, halfway through 2023 is also a valid take. Now I'm very well connected to the optimism team. I know for a fact that they are all focused on shipping fraud proofs. That has been the number one focus since shipping bedrock because like they, like I said, bedrock was a precursor to shipping fraud proofs. So we are now in this, like this uncanny Valley of bedrock proofs, like post bedrock, but before Canon. Right. (laughs) And now this is, this is where we are. Um, and then, of course, the Solana ecosystem will tell you that fraud proofs are never coming and these layer twos are going to be centralized <laughs> until forever. And Don't they just pick on Solana. are it's, wrong. It's, it's many of them. But yeah, I, um, I, I agree with that. I think we've, we've, we've talked about it sufficiently. One thing I will do a big plus one on, though, is um, AJ's post right here. It's yep. just, a, just a nice, yep. rational yep. post. Spells it out. It's, it's interesting, by the way, that it's not tweet-sized. You know, the old Twitter tweet yeah. size of 280 uh, characters or whatever? It's actually taking the time to go through the arguments. And uh, I encourage more conversation like this. So all of this is uh, is healthy. And uh, I do think we all, as an industry, want those red and yellow parts of the pie on layer 2B to turn green. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's good to apply that pressure once in a while. Yep. David, more pressure applied. <sighs> These are things that are breaking out of crypto Twitter, maybe in the, in the bear market, but um, Gitcoin was on the hot seat as well. So what's the Gitcoin controversy this week? Yeah, so kind of an interesting announcement tweet from Gitcoin. They say, uh, Gitcoin tweets out, we're happy to share that we've entered a collaboration with Shell to accelerate open source innovation to the energy sector. Shell, the oil company, yes. Together, we're driving sustainable solutions and making a positive impact in the world. Let's dive in. And then there was a blog post from Gitcoin.co about the Gitcoin plus Shell partnership. 
Oof. Ooh. People don't like shell. People don't right? like shell for good reason. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever read the book um, Confessions of an Economic Hitman, Ryan? No. Ooh, that, that, that one will destroy It's about the oil industry. industry? Yeah, it's worse than that. It's just about the way that like first world countries make third world countries beholden to them indebtedness forever. It has to do with the intense international monetary fund. It has to do with shell. It's all bad. Anyway, so when you think of Gitcoin as a brand, you think of like nice, wholesome things, having a walkie, public goods. Yeah. Uh-huh. When you think of Shell, you do not think those things. I think you of have- deforestation and uh, climate change and like uh, assassinations and wow. corruption. Yes, that's yeah. that's the brand association a lot of people have as well, and that's why this uh, this fell pretty flat. This tweet fell pretty flat, I'd say. Yeah. yeah. To put it mildly. And so I I photoshopped in a bunch of just people's takes. Um, here they all are. Anthony Cesano, as a longtime fan and user of Gipcoin, I have to say I'm extremely disappointed in their decision to partner with Shell. Uh, Scooby Trooples, I love Gitcoin, but this is greenwashing, not green pilling. F Shell. Uh, Hazu quotes the tweet and says, quote, the end justifies the, mi- the means, said by Gitcoin, 2023. Uh, so yeah, just general WTF response from crypto. Uh, and then here's Kevin Owaki, who is no longer at Gitcoin. He is now at his software company, Supermodular, which is built on top of the Gitcoin protocol because Gitcoin is a protocol now as a DAO. And uh, Kevin Kevin was the w- founder of Gitcoin. And as right. you said, yes, uh, Gitcoin itself is both a protocol and a DAO. And so Kevin is not you know, associated with those, those things except as a kind of an ambassador for the brand. Yeah, so Kevin Owaki uh, writes out a tweet titled, in all caps, Owaki, what do you think of the Shell Gitcoin collab? <laughs> Which I'm sure is what he has been asked many, many, many times. The TLDR of this, he's a, he says, I personally don't care for the Shell brand. I doubt many people will opt in for the optional Shell funding pool, but we'll see it's a free market. I think $500,000 is a pittance, especially if you look at Shell's contribution to climate crisis and the brand damage to Gitcoin is immense. And also greenwashing is just not okay. But then also he goes on and says, but the point of Gitcoin is to be a permissionless protocol and not to actually pick winners and losers. And so he actually, he said it better than I did on a podcast, which we have a clip for. And so we'll just go ahead and play that clip because I think this is a hot sign about. Public goods are relative to the values of the communities they serve. Some communities are going to want a DEI round. Some are going to think that's woke fucking nonsense. Some are going to want to fund open source software. Some just don't give a shit about open source. Some people want to fund physical public goods. Some want to fund digital. Some are okay with an oil company giving them money and some are not. So basically it's impossible to serve all of these mimetic tribes at the same time. And that's a fundamental tension in what Gitcoin's trying to do if you're trying to build the stack for civilizational scale public goods funding. All of the tribes don't agree on what is a public good. And this was a really profound realization for me. And it's why 24 months ago, we decided to shut down the company that was Gitcoin Grants and turn it into a protocol in a DAO. So basically now at Gitcoin, you have like the DAO contributors and you have their politics. You have the PGF work stream, which is like the public goods funding work stream that did these partnerships. And then you have the products, which are now credibly neutral protocols. And so by design, if you think Gitcoin's too woke because they're funding diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, or that they're taking blood money from Shell, then you don't have to take the money, but you can still use the protocols. And anyone can go to manager.gitcoin.co and set up their own quadratic funding round for their own values. <laughs> there you oh, go. That, that that's Kevin. Really quickly, but yeah, yeah that was like, that's a that's a take. 
Kevin yeah. will also be at Permissionless, and he will be at the party. So if you want to berate him or ask him about his opinions <laughs> on other things, he will be Please there. Please don't berate him. <laughs> I mean, he's trying his best. Look, this is a credibly neutral uh, protocol, folks. I, I think he's right on there. Um, CowSwap, yep. speaking of credibly neutral protocols, they just released TWAP orders. What is a TWAP order, David? Yeah, TWAP, time-weighted average price. Uh, so this is a way to automate your dollar cost averaging in a very short amount of time. Uh <laughs> That's probably not the best way to say dollar cost averaging, but take dollar cost averaging and compress it down to like an hour or a day or something really narrow. But uh, this uh, T-whopping is like a strategy that if you have a very big order to spread out your order to match volume over time. So as more buying picks up, your order will be fulfilled faster. And as buying or as volume slows down, your order will be uh, fulfilled slower. This has been harder to introduce into native crypto DEXs just because of the mm. logic that is required to make, make this happen. But CalSwap has done it. Uh, and so there's a link in the show notes if you want to try it out. And you can do it right from the safe wallet. The, the cool thing about this um, architecture is it's intent-based architecture, right? So basically, rather than commit to a transaction, you commit to an intent and that's been a theme that we've been exploring definitely, and all of crypto has been exploring definitely this summer. Um, so very cool. Visa has always impressed me with uh, how on top of crypto they've been. And this week was no exception to that. They are testing an on-chain payment system for gas with a card. So they're essentially abstracting gas fees away for blockchain payments and uh, allowing you to complete an on-chain transaction just with your Visa card. So the gas is kind of paid via account abstraction in the background. Just really cool to see like the largest payment company in the world innovating on this. And I think this is also related to two other headlines from this week. So MetaMask has just rolled out a one-click crypto buy button with Apple Pay. So Apple Pay, MetaMask, you can get into fiat, you can get into crypto directly through your Apple Pay account. Also cool. Ledger and PayPal have also introduced a partnership. So now Ledger, Ledger users will be able to buy crypto automatically via their PayPal account. This whole chain of things, we've got Visa, we've got kind of Apple Pay, and we've got Ledger. These feel very much like 2023 things, bear market things that we will have no concept of in 2019. Do you remember all the, the fake partnerships that were going around kind of the you know the ICO landscape where somebody yeah. would take a picture of themselves on a skateboard in front of Google? Yeah, or they'd be they'd, they'd advertise a partnership with uh, Amazon, and really they're just using AWS servers for some like portion of their user interface. I know that that uh, sounds insane, and that's what 2017 was. Like yes. that happened so many times. Yes. That was a real tactic that many ICOs did. And what's so crazy is now we actually have these large the real partnerships. <laughs> this is like going mainstream. I mean, last week PayPal just rolled out a stable coin. How crazy yeah. is that? Ledger and PayPal yeah. together. So now you can go directly from PayPal to a bankless wallet in Ledger, right? Visa pushing forward, not just like, oh, we have a blockchain strategy. They're looking at account abstraction. It's so cool to see this and makes me uh, very bullish even in the midst of this bear market. Yeah, certainly. And it also just shows that we have enough like UX solutions, UI UX solutions to make this some of this stuff easy. Like from PayPal to your Ethereum wallet was like, that took 50 steps in, seven, in 2017. So in South America, Ryan, um, Argentina has a, apparently, a far-right pro-Bitcoin candidate, Javier Milei, Milei who's won a primary in, uh, in Argentina. Uh, and there's a, this clip going around the internet about him explaining Bitcoin and Ethereum 
to like the news panelists that he is like shoulder to shoulder with. And so mm. all of all of all of crypto is like, oh my God, people are getting it and also being elected into into Argentine offices. Argentina, of course, very, very crypto, one of the most crypto native countries that exists. It could be number one, to be honest. Um, yeah. why? Why is why is Argentina so far ahead? Uh, high inflation and high internet uh, connectivity and a technically competent population. Uh, and, and so like it, it's one of the most crypto enabled countries that exists. So it, so it is no surprise that we are getting crypto politicians uh, working their way through um, through getting elected. Uh, so yeah. Javier's coalition known as the La Libertad Avanza garnered more than 30% of votes in the political contest. I think the big story here is that crypto is continuing to become a global political movement. And uh, I don't know very much about this this candidate. It's certainly not an endorsement. I've heard um, many mixed reviews. In fact, many negative reviews from the Argentine community. And uh, apparently this candidate's track record in crypto has been rocky. He's been embroiled in high-profile crypto Ponzi schemes, one called Coinex, which allegedly stole $800,000 worth of, of pesos. So I don't really know very much about this candidate other than the story that crypto is becoming a political movement. And speaking of politics and crypto, David, we this week got to see what Donald Trump holds in his Ethereum wallet. Do you want to know what he's holding? I am so excited. Here it is right here. Uh, We believe this ETH address ending with 22CE is Donald Trump's Ether address uh, Ethereum address. This is supported by information from his financial statements filed, I believe, probably the court system, August 14th. So this is what he's holding, David. Rate this pro- portfolio. What do you think of Trump's portfolio? It is just an A-plus portfolio. It actually is. It. It's great. It's great. Okay, so what is <laughs> what, what's in it? He's got four assets. Ether. He's got 1.5 thousand Ether worth $2.8 million coming in at number one. And then he's got 16 Weath 3.4 Matic and 12 USDC. So it's 99% Ether. <laughs> there you go. That's Where did funny. this man get all of this Ether? Why yeah. does he have Matic? Well, it's because of the Trump NFT sales on Polygon. He needed the Matic for gas and they were sold in ETH. So he made $2.8 million in Ether. Um, you know, Trump is just making money on his NFT. Uh, the only thing I've ever heard him say explicitly about crypto was this from a Fox Business interview in December 2021 about crypto. He said, I've never loved it because I like to have the dollar. You should do this in your Donald Trump accent. I shouldn't be reading this. I've never loved it because I have always loved the dollar. (laughs) Trump Trump told Fox Business in a December 2021 interview. It's way better. I was never a big fan, but it's building up bigger and bigger and no one's doing anything about it. But I want our currency called the dollar. (laughs) I'm right, terrible so no like from shit at impressions, right and for some reason, the Donald Trump, I'm not completely terrible at. I don't know. It's pretty good. I got to admit, it's pretty good. Ray I love David's how he impressions just tells us that he's a fiat maxi. Like, yeah. I, Trump, Trump declares he is a fiat maximalist. It may change, though, once he gets bags. I mean, who knows? All right, moving on. Here's a headline that I thoroughly enjoyed out of Coindesk. Uh, fallen hedge fund three hours capital co-founders were fined by Dubai's crypto regulator over their new bankruptcy claims exchange, OpenX. Uh, so do you know how much volume OpenX has done, Ryan? Like how much they, they have the, okay. What is OpenX? It is an exchange I remember what this for is. bankruptcy claims. Where yeah, are those they bankruptcy would know. coming from? The, like the ones that Thero's Capital caused. Like anyone like Celsius, Thero's Capital themselves, FTX, uh, Voyager, any of the bankruptcy that we like reported on for like almost a year straight. Uh, OpenX is a 
an exchange, a crypto exchange, to trade claims. That these guys run co-founded. by Trio's Capital. Yeah. Yes. Man. Uh, man, they are just loving that we are talking about this right now. And so I'm going to get to the meat of this whole thing. The whole vo- the volume on OpenX is coming in at a whopping like a couple thousand dollars. Wow. That's it. And so is that why they're being fined? Uh, yes, they are being fined for like not being up to snuff with the Dubai crypto regulator. They are being fined $2.7 million dollars on their exchange that they've had to build from scratch and probably have, you know, a million dollars of investment in and they've made zero money on it. So they yeah, are they, in the hole. They are in the Imagine red. investing in this thing though. They actually raised money and, and investors were willing to give them money for this thing. It's, yeah. That, that blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they're in Dubai because they can't go anywhere else. Cause if they go anywhere else, they'll get extradited to the United States and then thrown in jail. And now they're in Dubai and they owe $2.7 million that they probably don't have. And by the way, David, you know, we're talking about friend.tech and the progressive web app. The bankless app is also available as a progressive web app. You can open, open this thing in Safari. You can set it to your homepage and you can actually use it. Did I just blow your mind right now? I didn't know that we had a progressive web app. I thought yeah. we just had an app. Well, you have a you have a progressive web app if you just load it in your Safari browser and you add it we to your We had homepage. a progressive web app before I even knew that yeah. what a progressive web app was. Cool. Yep. Yep, we just bypassed Apple. Uh we're doing it. <laughs> but anyway, we got the Airdrop Hunter that we launched this week. What does this thing do? Okay, so the Airdrop Hunter, what does it do? It helps you hunt airdrops. It's in the title. Uh so airdrops, <laughs> of course, are are this meta in crypto and that meta shifts. And so we've built this product because we we were writing this as articles like hey, there's this like new crypto app. They don't have a token. They're probably going to have a token. Here's how you use this app. And then if you use this app, you are lo- you're likely get some, some qualify for the, for the token airdrop, it perhaps, might. if they ever. We don't know. And so like a, a part of the Bankless newsletter, which is now the Bankless website, Bankless Media Org, has always been just like, here's how you use this DeFi app. Like one of the earliest articles in Bankless history is Ryan Sean Adams here saying, here's how you use Uniswap. And then later, anyone who did that article got the Uniswap airdrop. And this, and like our articles have progressed. We did, you know, we did DYDX. We did a, like a, a lot of layer twos. And so as soon as the airdrop meta has unfolded, a lot of these guides is like, here's how you use this. Uh, here's how you use this DeFi app has also simultaneously been like, and then you do these things in order to maximize your chances for receiving the airdrop. And so now we've just turned this because of our team, our, Ch- our Chad team. We now have a product team and also airdrop hunters who are filling out like all these different possible protocols that might have an airdrop, how to use them, what to do inside of them to maximize your footprint for receiving an airdrop, and then like a step-by-step process to make this easy for people. Uh, And so this is part of the progression of this story of Bankless, I think, is like how to use DeFi apps, how to learn about them, and then how to grow your on-chain footprint to do the thing that Ryan always loves to, to tell you is like crypto pays you to learn it. He's, he's mouthing it right now. Uh, and so now we've just formalized this into a product for the bankless citizen. So if you are already a bankless citizen, A, come to our party at Permissionless, and B, while you're waiting for Permissionless, go hunt some go airdrops. Hunt. I think we have 31 airdrops, and we're going to just add more and more and more. Um, yeah. And I also want to add in a bit about the difference between what we are calling airdrop hunting versus airdrop farming. So there's this vertical that's growing out there. Do you, do you ever remember seeing like the Pokemon Go people with like 50 phones all at once? There's that. No, but that's crazy. That's a that's a thing. Yeah, like there's there's an industry that exists. They're all based out of Asia generally. But yeah, just like there's airdrop fine farming, which is like 
these highly capitalized, kind of like just like how proof of work mining is now in the hands of just like extremely well capitalized verticals entities, entities, not individuals. So there's the, the era of like airdrop farming is upon us. And that is not what we want to promote. And that is not what we are trying to instill in this pro product. The product is like first use this application as a real human, as a real person to do things that we think are in what the protocol wants you to do. Things like locking, uh, like, you know, depositing Bridging. rather than, than just transacting, right? Like yep. things that are actually truly valuable to the protocol because our job is to try and guess the meta of what future airdrop criteria will be. And that meta is going to respond to the airdrop farmers. And so as like all of the bankless citizens, they're humans. Those are human beings. We talk to them mm. into the, in the Discord. We have Jack guiding, like talking about like degen stuff. We have Jack, the chief hunter, who's like guiding some of these citizens through some of these apps. These are the humans. And so we're trying to give humans a platform to stand out against the bots. And that yep. is the airdrop hunter. Yeah, well said. Hunt and then settle. Those are hunt our two settle. verbs. Learn, learn, hunt, settle. Yep, learn, hunt, settle. That's the bankless uh, platform in a nutshell right now. So go check that out. If um, And by the way, if you've never considered becoming a bankless citizen, I think this is a compelling opportunity to do that. So you could check this out. So I think we provide one airdrop uh, hunt available for uh, our free members. And then um, you get 31 of these if you're a citizen. And we're going to be adding more every week. Um, so I think we've got another batch of a dozen or two dozen coming. And uh, we'll, of course, keep you updated on this. The one other thing I want to mention is um, beware of phishing attempts. Okay, so this has been something that I feel like has been plaguing crypto all summer. Of course, it's always been here, but has really ramped up this summer and has phishing been sophisticatedness is at all time highs. Right? What do we mean by phishing? Okay, that means like you could get an email from someone you think is bankless and is actually not bankless mm -hmm. that's telling you to click a button and connect your wallet and your funds could be drained. Right. Okay, so emails from bankless only come from the at bankless. URL. And if you go to a third-party website, make sure it's got the lock, HTTPS, and it's www.bankless.com. Mm -hmm. And that's the URL. That's from us. Because there are people out there that are sending spam emails to try to, to get you to click a button, connect your wallet, and uh, drain your funds. So be careful out there. It's, it's definitely still the Wild West. And if you need help, and you are confused, and you just want some guidance or some friends along the journey... Come into the Discord. We'll help you out. Totally. Uh, David, we got one raise this week, but it's a pretty large one. Bitco a raised $100 million. Uh, who is Bitco? Um, $100 million. Why is this significant? Yeah, Bitco is a custodian. They're actually the creators, the producers, one of the producers of Wrapped Bitcoin uh, because they are the custodians of the Bitcoin that backs the Wrapped Bitcoin. But they're a Bitcoin and crypto custodian. Um, why are valued at $1.75 billion? I'm pretty sure the custodian play is like eventually like PayPal bought a custodian. Um, anyone that any bank that wants to do crypto stuff is probably just going to buy a custodian. Uh, yeah. And so this is this is being valued valued at kind of that uh, $1.75 billion is nice. $100 million raise. Uh, this is their Series C. Congratulations to Bitco. David, what do we got coming up next? Coming up next, we are in the early endings of base and there are rug pulls and meme coins everywhere. Is that a problem? We'll talk about that. That's a question from the nation. Also a hot take, why on-chain revenue is the next meta and the main thing that you should be paying attention to right now. That is a take of the week from Van Spencer. And we also got a take from Ryan that we're going to talk about as well. And of course, we're going to talk about what we're
we're bullish on, and of course, the meme of the week. So all of that and more, but first a moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible. Mantle, formerly known as BitDAO, is the first DAO-led Web3 ecosystem, all built on top of Mantle's first core product, the Mantle Network, a brand new high-performance Ethereum Layer 2 built using the OP stack, but uses Eigenlayer's data availability solution instead of the expensive Ethereum Layer 1. Not only does this reduce Mantle Network's gas fees by 80%, but it also reduces gas fee volatility, providing a more stable foundation for Mantle's applications. The Mantle Treasury is one of the biggest DAO-owned treasuries, which is seeding an ecosystem system of projects from all around the Web3 space for Mantle. Mantle already has sub-communities from around Web3 onboarded, like Game7 for Web3 Gaming and Bybit for TVL and Liquidity and OnRails. So if you want to build on the Mantle network, Mantle is offering a grants program that provides milestone-based funding to promising projects that help expand, secure, and decentralize Mantle. If you want to get started working with the first DAO-led Layer 2 ecosystem, check out Mantle at mantle.xyz and follow them on Twitter at 0xMantle. Arbitrum is accelerating the Web3 landscape with a suite of secure Ethereum scaling solutions. Hundreds of projects have already deployed on Arbitrum 1 with flourishing DeFi and NFT ecosystems. Arbitrum Nova is quickly becoming a Web3 gaming hub and social dApps like Reddit are also calling Arbitrum home. And now, Arbitrum Orbit allows you to use Arbitrum's secure scaling technology to build your own Layer 3, giving you access to interoperable, customizable permissions with dedicated throughput. Whether you are a developer, enterprise, or user, Arbitrum Orbit lets you take your project to new heights. All of these technologies leverage the security and decentralization of Ethereum and provide a builder experience that's intuitive, familiar, and fully EVM compatible. Faster transaction speeds and significantly lower gas fees. So visit Arbitrum.io where you can join the community, dive into the developer docs, bridge your assets, and start building your first app with Arbitrum. Experience Web3 development the way it was always meant to be. Secure, fast, cheap, and friction-free. We got some questions of the week. This one from the Bankless Discord from uh, someone who calls himself ZK Jew. So the question <laughs> is, in the early innings with base, it's been rife with rug pulls, uh, like bald. I guess there was a rug pull called lead. I didn't even know that. Yep. Is virtue signaling values really more important than creating a safe environment for onboarding users? Now, what about base? All right, so some of the things this, this commenter is saying, some of the things that um, they're seeing are not entirely wholesome over on the base layer two. Uh, what's your reaction to that? I think this is just the meta that unfolds. When we have something new, you need, and there's just like the shelling point is for all the traders and DGENs and just the attention. Everyone understands that the attention is on base. And Mm -hmm. so if you are a, if you're going to issue a meme coin, you should do it on base. If you're going to rug pull, you got to go there quickly because that's where the attention is. You got to rug, you got to rug before the attention leaves. Mm -hmm. And so like, I, I think I gave this take last week, but just, that all the early and easy things to do are bad and the hard things to do are good. Good things are harder than bad things. And so the first things that you're going to see on any new network are just, just because the attention's there, just because it's a shelling point are like all the value extractive things that are just fundamentally unaligned. Um, and then we build harder things. Like there's a reason why friends did not get on base day one. It took a little bit. I'm sure they were building it prior. Um, but like that's, that's kind of my take. Like early network stuff is like, the worst of the worst. And then we improve and iterate and it gets better. It's a permissionless network. Anyone can deploy. So Coinbase cannot uh, moderate or cannot gatekeep. Um, this reminds me a lot of the early internet in the 90s where um, you know early critics of the internet just said, the internet's for gambling and porn and scammers, right? And as the 1990s. 
Lots of porn and, on the internet. I got that. Know, I, I mean, and like they dismissed it as a result. So you can't do serious things on the internet. And uh, that was a massive mistake. But those are the use cases that, that pop first, certainly. Um, another question here, this one from Rock3T. In the debrief of the Lido episode from earlier this week, you talked about how everything eventually settles to layer zero. That is the social layer. As crypto adoption grows and more people make up layer zero, do you worry about the potential impact on Ethereum values that the dilution of our social layer could have? That's a really uh, interesting question. I think a, a fantastic question. What's your take? Yeah, that's a really hard question to answer and not a 90-minute podcast. We should do a podcast. <laughs> uh, okay, so as crypto adoption grows, more people make up the layer zero. Do you worry about the potential impact on Ethereum values that the dilution of our social layer could have? I actually think that as crypto grows, not necessarily do, does the uh, layer zero also grow. Because the layer zero are like the people on, on crypto Twitter, the people on the Ethereum magicians forums, the people in Discord having important conversations about Ethereum. If you are just an average user, if you're a collector of music NFTs and you don't really care about the chain or what protocol or whatever you're on, blockchains are designed to be invisible. And it's actually a KPI that people go and adopt crypto protocols without actually having to join the conversation. We have these conversations because we're nerds and we like to talk about these things and it's important to us and it's philosophically interesting. That's the layer zero. We just need enough of a robust layer zero to, so that we can check our values and make sure that they are doing the right things as we build these networks. But it's the networks that's supposed to scale these things. The networks are supposed to scale, not necessarily the layer zero. The layer zero is a backstop. It just needs to be the last line of defense. And I don't think it needs to be large. It just needs to be precise. Yeah, I, I, I guess I would add maybe two things to that. You know, one is I, I do think that the OGs for, for a while will have a disproportionate share of um, kind of at least, let's say, ETH stake, right? Why? Because they bought it in a lower price. They have, they have more Ether at first. So it'll take longer for that to dilute. And I think that's a good thing. But more broadly, I'll say this is a challenge of any social system that we construct. So the, the founders of the Constitution, uh, American Revolution, you might say, well, will future generations, will our grandkids' grandkids, will they still care about the values that we're trying to embed in this uh, nation state, right? Uh, and um, they try to document as many of those values as possible inside of a, um, a protocol, essentially. Uh, an algorithm. And that's kind of what we're doing with with crypto right now. So I think our constitution, our protocols will harden and ossify. And over time, they'll be less malleable to kind of uh, future generations who maybe care less about these values. And, and maybe these future generations will find new ways to um, help us live up to the values that, that we purported as well. I mean, that certainly was the case uh, in America, you know, uh, expanding the, the voter base of, you know, beyond white males, for instance, to, uh, to women, to minorities. Um, I think I, I have faith. I think that once we embed these, these values of decentralization into our crypto systems that they'll carry forward. Mm -hmm. Uh, David takes the week. This one from Vance Spencer. What's he saying? Vance Spencer says, if you don't nail the transition to on-chain, ooh, he used a hyphen, uh-oh, Vance, on-chain revenue generation. <laughs> on-chain is spelled O-N-C-H-A-I-N, okay, Vance? Uh, okay, so if you don't nail the transition to on-chain revenue generation as a centralized crypto exchange, you will be left in the dust by competition in the coming 12 to 18 months. It takes an entirely different DNA to succeed on-chain versus centralized, different products, people, and culture. 
basically, Vance, I think, is just saying that, like, yo, the meta is shifting on-chain, and you better go there. Um, mm. Interesting. Speaking of on-chain meta, I feel like this is a new on-chain meta for this cycle. I said this on Twitter. All Ethereum competitors want to become an L2 now. Ethereum won the, th- the thumb war. I sort of tweeted this out to, to get the response. Not entirely true, of course. There's still alternative layer ones. But um, you got to admit, this cycle is a lot different. Last time, uh, you know, in t- 2018, 2019, you had a whole bunch of alternative layer ones who were coming to kill Ethereum and eat Ethereum's lunch. Now I'm seeing far more just become layer twos, become kind of app chains. And uh, so that has been a paradigm shift. Uh, what do you think about this? Yeah, your your response uh, a little bit, uh, your reply to your own tweet, uh, you used to say, okay, not all. There's still Solana, Cosmos, and a long tail. Throwing a flag at Cosmos, Cosmos is actually not a chain. It's a network of app chains. And so Ethereum layer two role apps could absorb any Cosmos app individually. And I think when DYDX just capitulates and comes back to be a rollout back on <laughs> Ethereum, you will know. Yeah. You will know that the design philosophy of the Ethereum layer I don't know. Antonio right is all showing, the way around. He's showing no signs of capitulation. He is all in on uh, Cosmos for DYDX. So we'll see. Solana we'll see will never. plays out. Yeah, no, Solana he never will. going to live in Ethereum. I don't think they, yeah, I don't know that they, I don't know that they should, or they want to. I don't know that it's best for the value no, it, it, of the layer token. one of Solana, it's imbued in the social contract of Solana that they must be a layer one. Hmm. Like all what the soul bullish? boys are like, they think that soul will overtake ETH one day. And yeah. you, you've been much more involved in those conversations than I have. I've just been observing David. I'm, uh, uh, what are you bullish I'm, on this week? I'm speaking of what I'm bullish on this, this week, yeah. I'm brewing up a piece that I'm going to write. Yes. Um, about like some, some, the differences between, I think, Ethereum and Solana. Remember my old POV crypto podcast? Yeah. It was about the differences between Bitcoin and Ethereum. I think that there are a similar level of depth to that conversation um, between Solana and Ethereum. And I think it goes way deeper than I think most of both camps expect, than they think. Uh, and so I'm bullish on this article that I'm writing. Um, the, the, is it an article that's going to help us all come together, David, or is it... Uh... No, it's an article that is going to help <laughs> us all understand. Uh, okay. And uh, obviously we'll have my positions about things. Um, it's a, so I'll, I'll tease it a little bit. Um, Ethereum and its layer twos, layer threes, layer fours, it's validiums, it's like base rollups, it's sovereign rollups. There's like so many different ways to construct a rollup. Uh, Ethereum, like I say, blockchains are supposed to be invisible, Ethereum is supposed to produce enough networks to permeate throughout the entire internet as well. And so when you have all of these different flavors of rollups, we can get into the cracks of the internet because a particular rollup construction is specific towards a specific use case that allows itself to find itself in the corners of Ethereum. Whether your on-chain data is on Ethereum layer one or it's hosted by Eigenlayer DA or it's hosted by a centralized database, the lines between Ethereum and the internet blur because of how rollups are constructed. Then you have the Solana vision, which is a single global shared state. There's a very firm boundary between what is and is not on Solana. And these are two different archetypes which have downstream consequences. And so this uh, article is unpacking that metaphor. Well, I can't wait to host the debate between you and Kyle Samani on uh, modular versus monolithic. (laughs) David doesn't want to do this debate. Uh, Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm bullish for your article as well, David. Thank you. Brian, what are you bullish on? I have definitely flipped bullish on 
crypto social media. Hmm. And I think I've been sort of in a, I'm not sure this could work type of state. Well, let me, let me, let me tell you where I started. Um, I started with being fairly bearish on Web3 social media. Do you remember the early days we created kind of Ethereum and people were like, now Ethereum is going to become Uber. Now Ethereum is going to become a decentralized Twitter. And, and it just never seemed to kind of click for me. Um, we made some progress. You know, we did episodes with like Farcaster, for example, and Lens. And so cautiously excited about those and, and bullish on, on those when I, when I started seeing them. But the question is always, how do we get mass adoption? Friend.tech and this experiment, again, I'm not saying it's going to be friend.tech, guys. Okay, don't hear me. This is a, this is a POC, okay? Mm-hmm. This experiment showed me how it can work in the same way that CryptoKitties showed me how NFTs can work. Um, economic social games, that's what they did. And they they vampire attacked Twitter's network effect. They, they just vampired that. it. They did do that. How'd, how'd they do that? Because I got a message from someone saying, oh, go check this out, Right. And I was, you know, someone I trusted. I went and I checked it out and I connected my Twitter account and ported some of my social graph over to Mm friend.tech and spent some time on it. That is a vamp, an economic, why did I do that? Partially, it's kind of cool. Partially because of token incentives, right? I wanted to see how this thing worked. That's why everyone did it. And then you did it to compete in the social game of the the leaderboard, right? Mm -hmm. We were just talking earlier how like, I'm in top 20, I'm in top 20. That means something to you. Right. And so I now I see the path. Now I see how crypto social media, maybe it's messenger apps, maybe it's apps like you know, friend.tech can actually do it. And I also see a path around Apple App Store, Android, mm-hmm. right? With kind of this uh web-based Safari sort of experience. Again, it was still super clunky. Like half the time when I was using friend.tech, the chat didn't work. Like it was like broken. Right. Uh it was that's actually a pain. that's actually fixed now. They fixed it. Yeah. Okay. So they fake. That's the thing. It, it reminds me of, um, do you remember early days of Twitter? Okay. I got my Twitter account super early and it's early days of Twitter. It was always like fail whale. You know, the fail whale was this, um, image that they would put on screen when, uh, Twitter was over capacity. You couldn't handle the load, right? The fail. Whale. Like when things break because of overuse, it's a really freaking good sign. <laughs> okay. It means there's demand. That's the, that's what you want. Uh, so anyway, that's kind of cool. It's like, hackathon quality right now but it's a proof of concept for things to come and i have flipped firmly bullish on this category of whatever you might call crypto social web3 social messaging like uh considering me bullish and i'm super excited about it and into the meme of the week there we go this is a joseph delong won the meme of the week trophy this week uh this is the this meme format has been going around crypto twitter this is the it's a joint it's a picture of a joint and like the first majority of the joint is uh, like you have decently cool and good thoughts. And then the last sliver <laughs> of the joint, you start to get real, real crazy. So this is a Joseph DeLong is uh, you, he used to be in charge of a sushi swap before he moved on. So the first like three quarters of the joint is just X times Y equals K, you know, the Uniswap AMM curve. And then the last quarter of the joint is I can fix in permanent loss with options, <laughs> which man, if you, you have to kind of be deep down the crypto rabbit hole to understand this one, but the, the, to unpack this, uh, meme, uh, impermanent loss. For some reason, people are uh, LPing into Uniswap and SutriSwap and all these AMMs, these X times Y equals K AMMs. And they're not and they're, making they're, money? They're all losing millions of dollars. And no one mm. knows why there's so much liquidity in Uniswap because everyone's losing money. And so everyone is, is, there's like a meme lately, a rotation into like, 
oh, we can fix LP loss by like adding options on top. And like <laughs> Joseph is saying, it's like, you gotta be effing crazy to think that. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of the mysteries of crypto is why people are doing this. Not even Dan Robinson knew when you asked him on yeah. uh, the recent podcast, which <laughs> yeah. is crazy to me. <laughs> Guys, that has been the roll up. Hope you enjoyed it. We're going to end with risks in a minute, but first we disclose David and I mentioned Optimism. We mentioned Arbitrum. I think we said Polygon. Uh, we are both investors and advisors for Optimism. I'm advisor to Polygon. Both David and I hold a little bit of Matic tokens. Uh, David and I also hold ETH. And it's our time to remind you, we are long-term investors. We are not journalists. We don't do paid content. There's a link to all bankless disclosures in the show notes at all times. And of course, crypto is risky. You could lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot. 